0: Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that that in your word you say that uh, other men and women delight in it and that it is the bread of life. God, would you let that sustain us this morning? Would you, by your word, do the, the surgery on our hearts to break down the hardness of it and the sin of it? And would you show us your grace? God, help us to stand firm this morning in the true grace of God. Would you do that by your spirit, through your word? And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. There was no hope for me. Why, you ask? Well, thank you for asking. It's very kind of you but one day a few years ago, when Leah and I were living in our apartment in Mesquite, it looked a little something like this. I was roofing at the time. Nope, it doesn't look anything like this. Glitch. There. Uh, Leah never lets us match, so I just wanted to show everybody that we match sometimes. I told her, we're in holy matrimony. I was roofing at the time, so I, I finished my roofing jobs early, came home, sat on the couch, and I started watching just the classic dude movie, uh, Saving Private Ryan, and I just, from the get go, I was hooked again, it's like the 30th time I've seen that thing, but it didn't matter. Uh, Leah, on the other hand, she was not home yet. She had a mandatory meeting on some really boring stuff. After a day, of, uh, day just full of kids who would not listen, remember that part specifically, she just needed a nap. Poor Leah, she tried to call me on the way home to tell me about it, she had tears in her eyes but I left my phone on silent, so I didn't see that. Then she sent me a text asking me if I could help her bring her bags up the stairs to our apartment. Didn't see that message. Bad husband work, just in case you're wondering. Uh, Leah trounced in the door. She was being super loud, Uh, and then she went and turned on all the lights, and she said, Jake, did you not see any of my messages? And I was just so focused. It was the the D-Day scene, so I didn't really hear that, Um, but I saw out of the corner of my eye that she was going to the kitchen, and so I was like, oh hey, while you're going to the kitchen, can you grab me a water bottle? Um, And she said, just so sweetly, my sweet wife, she said, sure, can I get you a snack too? Um, Which you should know, I should have known, that that was red flag. Uh, So of course I said, a snack would be great. (laughs) Like I'd love a snack. The next thing I know, water bottle comes flying past my face. Uh, It trimmed a whisker or two, like it was just that close. And I look over to Leah, and she's got this look of seriousness. She said, I don't miss twice. I'm like, all right. And at that moment, I knew, something's wrong here. (laughs) Uh, But poor Jake had no hope in that situation. And I tell you that story because you and I have a deep and essential longing for hope. Hope is a psychological and existential necessity. We have to have hope. All of humanity in some way clings to hope of some kind, and it's that thing that if we lose it, it can be the most tragic thing in our lives. Psychological experts say that the very thing that keeps a person alive is having hope. Without hope, people give up because there is, if there is no hope, life is too overwhelming. You and I have to have hope. The issue is, not all hope is alike. Many people in our culture place their hope in things that can die. For instance, we place our hope in getting that paycheck, in retiring one day, in our spouse living for a long time, in our health, in our bank accounts, in our looks, in our popularity, in winning, in our jobs, in our kids, but all of these things can die. If our hope is in traveling the world once we retire, what if we develop a bone disease that keeps us from traveling? If our hope is in our money, what if we lose our job? So our question is, what is your hope in and can it die? To have hope in the things of this world is to have a dead hope. We need a better hope. We need a living hope. A hope that remains even in all kinds of hope-killing suffering. A hope that if we lose our legs, if we lose our sight, if we lose our job, if we lose our lives, we still have it because it cannot die. It's a living hope. You and I want this hope. You and I need this hope. And it's exactly what we find in our passage. We're going to answer three questions from our text and in answering them, we're going to see the living hope. We're going to see the living hope. The questions are what is a living hope? How do we get a living hope? And what do we do once we have a living hope? What is a living hope? How do we get A living hope. And what do we do once we have a living hope? Question one, what is a living hope? Just as a quick reminder, Peter, the guy who's writing this, uh, he's just a guy who messed up constantly, all the time. The Bible describes him um, as, yes, one who walked with Jesus. He walked with the Savior of the world. um, But in a lot of ways, he had little faith. He doubted. He once saw Jesus in the water, and he got scared. And Jesus says, it is I, don't be afraid, it's I, Jesus. And Peter says, who's out there? It's like, oh, come on, man, <laughs> he just said it. Then Peter gets to walk out on the water after Jesus says, hey, come to me. And then he gets scared after he sees the water and he starts to sink. But this man who once sank was saved by Jesus and he now stands firm and that's why he's writing this letter. The man who sank now stands and he's writing this letter to other people who are sinking. The men and women who are exiled all across the land. And this is to you and I. It wasn't written to a specific church, it was written to the church because we're all exiles. We have all been pushed out of heaven, if you will, pushed out of the garden because of our sin. We lost paradise. So Peter writes this encouraging us to stand firm in the true grace of God. How? Well, he wants us to have a living hope. So we have to answer the question what is a living hope? Just to let you know, it is not. I hope the Cowboys throw longer than a three-yard pass today. Or I hope my husband gets all the things on the grocery list, as if that's a thing we do. Um, (laughs) Hope is actually the Greek word elpis. It means looking forward to something with confident expectation, even if there are no rational grounds for it. Hope means looking forward to something with confident expectation, even if there are no rational grounds for it. So hope for what? in our context of what we see, what we hope for, what what we are to be confidently expectant in is found in verse four and five. Hope, our living hope, is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. If we are a part of God's people through faith in Jesus, then there is an inheritance that awaits us. It's perfection, it is glory, it cannot die, it cannot be messed up, and it will never fade away. And not only that, like if that wasn't good enough, the inheritance is being guarded by the God of the universe. The same God who simply just spoke things into existence is standing at attention and saying, nope, you're not gonna get this. You cannot take it away. It cannot be defiled at all. Nothing or no one will ever be able to tamper with it. So our inheritance is safe, so then the question is, what is our inheritance? If we know that it's safe, our inheritance is being saved finally, actually made righteous. Just very simply, our inheritance is our God. This is when we sing, what we just sang, thou mine inheritance, now and always. God, you are my inheritance. Everything that I could ever want, everything that I've ever longed for and hoped for, God, I find it in you. God is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and so everything that comes with him is safe too. And not only that, God is being guarded by God. Like, that inheritance is not going anywhere. As we sit right now, if we are believers in Christ, we have a living hope for eternity simply because of who God is. This is hopeful for the people who read this back in the day. It's hopeful for us as we read it because um, as it sits, as we sat, because of our sin, you and I had no inheritance. If you are an unbeliever in this room, you currently have no inheritance. I don't know if that's me going too far this way or what. I don't know if you guys can hear that. Maybe it's just my ears, but I'm sorry. Um, But because of our sin, you and I had no inheritance. We had a great chasm. There was a huge expanse between us and our inheritance at that moment. We were with God in the garden, if you will, but because of our sin, there is now a fracture. There's now a chasm between us and God, and there is no bridge. There is no climbing down this side and going up the other side. There is no flying over. We need to be on the side where God is, but we can't. We can't rescue ourselves from our sin. We need to be rescued from our sin, and this is the work that Jesus did on the cross. In his death, he took on our sins and gave us his no sin so that you and I could have eternity with our inheritance. It happens at the cross. So then, our living hope is based in a confident expectation that you and I will be raised to new life with our God when we die. The hope of salvation is alive because the assurance of salvation is found in Jesus, and Jesus is alive. We have a living hope because we have a living Savior. Do you know this Savior? The new life that we have in Christ is something that can never be taken away. One commentator, he wrote it this way. He said, 1 Peter begins this way so that we can enjoy the invaluable treasure of a future life and also that we may not be broken down by present troubles but patiently endure them, being satisfied with eternal happiness. Our living hope makes us able to stand firm in the midst of whatever trouble comes. Knowing that our ultimate reward is not found in this fallen world, the things that can die, but that our inheritance is secured for us in Jesus. So what is your hope in and can it die? What is a living hope that we are going to be saved to an imperishable inheritance of God? Question two, how do we get a living hope? The answer Is that you and I must be born again why because according to verse 3 it says according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope so only those that are born again will ever have this living hope we have to be born again John 3 7 says you must be born again it's very clear and then again in John 3 uh, verse 3 says unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God in other words Being born again is infinitely serious. Heaven and hell are hanging in the balance and we will not see the kingdom of God unless we are born again. So today the question is why? Why is it so necessary? Why isn't some other remedy sufficient? Like why can't we just turn over a new leaf? Why can't we just have some more morality? Why can't we just impose some more moral improvement or self-discipline? Quick diagnosis. You and I, as the Bible describes us, in our sins are dead. Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. There is no seeing God. There is no crossing that chasm in that current state of sin and death because tell me, what can a dead person do? What kind of action can a dead person perform? Not only can we not pass over the chasm if we were alive, what can we do as a dead person? We have to be born again into this new life with God or we have no living hope. How? Verse three answers it. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God caused us to be born again, if we are born again, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What does this mean? The fact that Jesus was raised to life 2,000 some odd years ago gives us an unshakable hope. The fact that Jesus was dead and was brought to life in the resurrection shows him as the Lord of all who is coming back to make things new. There is no rebirth without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Probably the best way to describe being born again is found in Romans 6. Paul writes, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, born again, raised to newness of life. How do we become born again? Like if we see, we get a living hope if we're born again and we see the importance of that, how do we get it? Verse five actually answers it. Through faith. Through belief in Jesus Christ's atoning work on the cross on your behalf. Why does faith in this way give us hope? If Christ has been raised, then all of my sins are forgiven if I cast myself on him. And if all of my sins are forgiven, then God is not against me any longer. There is no chasm there any longer, but God is for me That's how a two thousand year old resurrection reaches our heart and brings us hope. It clarifies that because Jesus bore our sins on the cross, God is for us and not against us. And it declares that this Jesus who loved us and gave His life for us is alive, and is present and caring at every moment of our lives. That's our hope. That's our light in the midst of darkness. Do you read your Bible to grasp this hope? And going back to the beginning of the verse, verse three, according to the mercy, everything that we just read, everything that we just talked about is nothing but mercy from God. The word mercy means to take away the deserved judgment. If you think about grace, it's a little bit different than mercy. Grace is undeserved merit or favor. So here here are things that you do not deserve that I'm going to give you. Mercy is, here are the things that you deserve. I'm going to take them away from you. So mercy is God taking away what we deserved, our judgment. And since the judgment has been taken from us, now this mercy, what it did for us, it caused us to be born again into a living hope. We are born again to a living hope and an imperishable inheritance through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important. That's why we as a church are gospel-centered. That's why everything that we do will be focused on that truth. When you pray, do you thank God for his mercy to you in Christ? What is a living hope? It's a confident assurance that you and I will one day be saved once and for all that is rooted in the living Jesus. How do we get this living hope? We must be born again through faith in Jesus Christ. But that isn't all. Question three. What do we do once we have a living hope? Verse three actually begins with Peter's response to the news that follows. Uh, Peter did things kind of backwards, I think. Like he started his letter with a greeting. You usually put that at the end, like "Uh, here's my letter, Jacob, love you. But he wrote it at the top, Peter, love you. And then he wrote his letter. So he did things a little bit backwards in my opinion. Um, That's my cultural bias. But he begins, with his response to the news that follows. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in him, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. Peter here is just worshiping. Like this is his song to God. This is his response to the good news of what God has done. He says, blessed be God. God, blessed are you. God, praise you, God. All of this work, yet we we reap the benefits of it. We have the mercy and grace of it and the peace that comes from it, but you did all the work praise you psalm 34 uh, says i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth why because of all the work that he did psalm 145 says i will extol you my god and king and bless your name forever and ever every day i will bless you and praise your name forever and ever my mouth will speak the praise of the lord and let all the flesh bless his holy name forever and ever Blessed be God. The living hope produces life within us and that new life springs up new things, new worship by the Spirit. It causes us to praise and it causes us to bless and to sing and to lift God's name on high. Without that, we don't really care who God is. And not only in song, but in our service. uh, Worship... Is not just singing. Worship is actually described in Romans 12 as presenting our bodies as living sacrifices. Or to put it another way, we are freed by God to become slaves to God. Romans 6 says this But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, the old life, the dead life, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. There is a a willing freedness that we're going to say, no, I I willingly choose to become a slave to righteousness and to God. The new life is that we are no longer slaves to sin, but free and willing slaves to God. This glorious hope of an inheritance, of a right relationship and an eternity, enjoying the creator of the universe, the one who did speak everything into existence, he'll be speaking to us. I don't know what's going to happen, It's going to be amazing. He frees us from the slavery of pursuing selfish gain here on earth to a radical obedience to the one who gave us all, who gave us this hope. Because we can't lose our hope. Do you see it? It's a living hope. It's not going to die. We cannot lose it. So everything that we do here on earth, we can risk everything. We can risk everything to glorify God in obedience to him. This is the essence of Peter's words here. Since the resurrection of Jesus is true, my hope is secured. My hope is secured and I, since that's true, I can risk it all to live my life by faith. So now this is now our lives. Since the resurrection is true, we can risk our comfort and embarrassment to share the gospel with that guy at Dairy Queen. We can risk relationships to go up to a person we know and love and have a hard conversation about the sin that we see in their lives. We can give up possessions. We can risk our lives, our safety, our children's lives to glorify God by bringing this hope to other people, people who are just as afraid of death as you are, people who need a hope just as much as you do. We can give up our vacation or our retirement money to help provide for a refugee family here in Dallas with the hope of building a friendship and showing them the love of Christ. We can do all of these things, We can have radical obedience to Christ because we know that we have a treasure and reward in heaven that cannot be destroyed or taken from us. So we can sing the songs that we sing. And we can do the things that we do and not worry about the way we sound or the way we look to that person. We can just cry out in thankfulness back to our God who fully deserves all the thankfulness in the world. In this way, uh, as a blessed are you God, we do all of our actions. And so we're gonna take communion together as a family, and we do it with this heart of a blessed be you God. You have given us this living hope, blessed be you. And as we partake of communion together, it's a remembrance of the gospel. We eat and drink, that is we take into our lives what happened on the cross. By faith, by trusting in all that God is for us in Jesus, we nourish ourselves with the benefits that Jesus obtained for us when He bled and died on the cross. If you're an unbeliever, or if you're in unrepentant sin, I ask that you would just remain in your seat during this time, uh, because the Bible says that you would eat and drink in an unworthy manner, and I don't want that for you. We take the work of Christ seriously but if you are unrepentant you still have this living hope dwelling within you in Jesus remember the gospel again today turn again today to faith in Jesus and confess your sins before him if you're an unbeliever as you sit today you have only hopes that will die you too can have a living hope through faith in Jesus believe today For all of us, here is our prayer. You won't be able to read it. Father, we confess our sin of hopelessness before you. We admit that we need this body and this blood alone to get us to heaven with you. Would you grow the living hope within us this morning? Would you give our hope new life today in Jesus? So here in a minute, uh, as you just take your time to pray through that, uh, when you're ready, grab the elements at the back of the room, bring them back to your seats, and we'll take them together here in a minute uh, as a family. Um, but as you as you sit, pray. If you're in unrepentant sin, pray for that. If you are an unbeliever, pray for God to save you. I just wanted to read to you the lyrics that we just sang in the second song. How great the chasm that lay between how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. All of this is true. Because on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for stepping into our lives if we're believers in this room. Is that, as we just read, I mean, there's no hope without you. There's only hope that dies. There's only hope that will fade, that can be defiled, that is perishing, God. But because of your mercy, because of your grace, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have given us new life. And in that, a living hope, one that will not die. God, would you remind us of this hope? Would you let it build us up in the times of trouble and suffering? And would you let it humble us that we may walk out the door, that we may walk across the street, that we may serve you in our city, in our DFW area? Because we know everything's secured for us already. Would you help us to be obedient? everything, we, like Peter, say, blessed be you. Blessed are you, God, who has made this even a possibility for us. There is no hope without you, God. Blessed are you. We lift your name on high, and we do it through Jesus. Amen.